News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman in association with Air on News Talk. I don't know if you were listening to our conversation there. Some members of the opposition making the point that I was making that it would be preferable if uh, JP McManus was resident here and paid tax here. Um, do you have a take on this uh, on this debate? Yeah, well, firstly, I'd welcome the donation. I do think that JP has been involved in an incredible amount of charities right across the country, most notably the hospice organisation, which has done huge work for. But obviously, the rule is very clear in terms of being 183 days resident in the country. And once a citizen breaches that rule, they become tax resident. So I think if we really want to uh, have a say in it, we'd have to change the rules. And I haven't seen any proposal brought forward to change the residency rules. What we did do uh, during the recession as a country Uh, we brought in the domicile levy and what that did was target people who were domiciled in Ireland. Uh, So in other words, that that it was their area where they were born in, where they were most uh, connected to and put a levy on it. But I do understand at one point in time, I remember looking at the figures back five or six years ago, that that levy was actually costing more to implement at that time than it was actually collected in revenue. Yeah. Uh, do you understand where the opposition are coming from when they when they not criticise uh, J.P. McManus, but when they make the point that maybe it would be better if he lived and paid his taxes here rather than making big donations? I can understand that point of view, and it is a very divisive topic, but we have many people who are tax exile, and the point I would make is I don't see many as generous as J.P. McManus. And I would even look at further than that. You know, we have about 30,000 people employed in the horse racing industry, and J.P. has many trainers uh, who he has employed right up and down the country. And also, when you drill down on that from vets, trainers, farriers, feed stores, all those people employed and benefiting from his wealth okay. every single right. day in the year. Let's talk about uh, the EU. We'll, talk, we'll get to what's going to happen later today uh, in a moment. But an extraordinary uh, day uh, yesterday uh, with e- European leaders agreeing to open membership talks with Ukraine. And you had the Prime Minister of Hungary exiting the room to allow that decision to be made. Yeah, it was a huge day in the European Council. Not many have seen this happen before, whereby Viktor Orban actually left the room when the key decision was being made about bringing forward Ukraine and Moldova and obviously candidate status to uh, Georgia and in the Western Balkans, uh, given Bosnia and Herzegovina um, a a pathway through to a session as well to open negotiations. So it was looking like a very bleak day because... This summit is such a make-or-break summit for the European Union, I think. Uh, For Ukraine, it's been critically important because we've seen the uncertainty coming from the United States. So Europe had to be really strong and to give a very strong signal to Ukraine that its place is right in the heart of the European Union. And I think we have done that effectively, notwithstanding the mechanism that brought about it. But it's important to give Ukraine that strong signal because we know they're going into a very difficult winter now and it's going to be very hard for them. Yeah, an important, uh, absolutely you're right to say, it's important psychological boost for Ukraine. What they didn't get though was the additional aid because that was blocked by Hungary. Yeah, so what we have now is essentially what we're trying to do is there has been 12 negotiation uh, boxes on the multi-annual financial framework and that's the EU budget. So there's 50 billion of that that is pencil for Ukraine, 17 billion is by way of grants, 33 billion is for loans. And what the aim of that is to run its public services and to give it certainty over a four-year horizon that Ukraine doesn't have to keep coming back to the EU table uh, on a quarterly basis looking for more uh, funding to support uh, its country. So what's going to happen now is obviously last night, 26 of the 27 agreed on a position and put it to uh, Hungary. And unfortunately, Hungary hasn't uh, given its agreement. It's blocked uh, the aid so far. 
far. So they're going to come back to it uh, in January. Uh, there is a possibility, another mechanism through what's called an intergovernmental conference. And what could happen is that the 26 member states could come together collectively outside the treaties of the EU and put together a budget uh, for Ukraine in the same okay. manner that has been agreed. Now, that's a possibility, but it would take a bit of time. So that's why they want to come back in January to see can they get all 27 member states to agree the position. Uh, briefly, Minister, before we let you go, attention today turns to events in the Middle East. Uh, your party leader, the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, very outspoken yesterday saying the EU has lost credibility due to its stance on Gaza. Do you agree with him? Absolutely. I think it's so important that the EU gets a text in that really mirrors that vote we've had in the United Nations to open up humanitarian corridors, call for a lasting ceasefire, because we've seen the horrific scenes of many children and families that have been horrifically treated and murdered uh, right throughout uh, Gaza in a very densely populated area. It's a collective punishment of a very densely populated area. And while we're very clear that all hostages have to be released uh, and condemning uh, the acts on October 7th, but we also need to see a balanced response. We have not seen that. And I think the EU needs to be very firm today, collectively, to really be seen as a strong geopolitical actor to put forward a strong message in the conclusions of the text today. Okay, uh, just very finally, going back to Ukraine, when do you see Ukraine ultimately becoming a member of the EU? Are we talking 10 years, do you think? I think it could be. So there's 30 chapters that it has to go through of various different areas of its public service uh, to measure up to become uh, an EU member. There's loads of votes throughout that process. So again, you're looking at unanimity and trying to get all countries on board at each step of the way. But I think this is an important signal at the very outset that we are given the green light to begin that process. Okay, Minister of State for European Affairs and Defence, Peter Burke, thank you for talking to us on News Talk Breakfast this morning. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.